What is up, everybody? This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Serving up the latest Everton news and stateside views. Let's kick things off. Today, we're going to start off by talking about a funny story from a blue in Alabama. We're going to then move on to the Newcastle versus Everton pre-match. And we're going to end things with the FA Cup third round draw that happened today. So James, I think you saw the email. We got a funny email from, well, funny to us, maybe not to our friend Chris Weaver from Alabama. He was talking about how he was in shock over the Derby and that he wanted to share a sad story. And it was indeed sad, wasn't it? Yeah, it really is tragic. On top of the debilitating, crushing, gut-wrenching loss that all Evertonians experienced yesterday, this kind of just puts it over the top. So for our, our, our friends, our listeners that maybe are not on Reddit, um, there are, there's an Everton subreddit and there's a Liverpool subreddit along, you know, among other teams. And our friend here was on the Liverpool subreddit and he made a wager with a Liverpool fan from Colorado that if Everton won or draw, the Liverpool fan from Colorado would owe him an Everton kit. Otherwise, if Liverpool won, he would owe the Liverpool fan whatever Liverpool kit he wanted. He, you know, he goes into, I was so confident in the 94th minute that I let myself start looking into which player I was going to request. He settled on Lookman. Good choice, isn't it, James? A pretty good choice. Not necessarily what I'd go with, but I can't hate on it. Yeah, pretty positive. I like and it. next thing you know, the uh, 96th minute hit, hits that freak goal happened and he ends with now i've just spent a hundred dollars on a winaldum jersey and shipped it to some random guy in colorado oh man that's i mean it's hard not to laugh at stuff like that it's good to have a bit of banter american fans i don't think the rivalry necessarily runs as deep i certainly hate liverpool a lot but it's not like i live in a city where half of the people are Liverpool fans and I have to listen to them go on and on all the time about the team. So it's good to have a bit of banter, a bit of connection to the opposite side. And I'm, I'm really sorry that you had to spend that much money on a Wijnaldum jersey of all the jerseys. Dude, that's exactly what my question was. Like, number one question, all right, past all of this, why Wijnaldum? But, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to talk up any of their players. It's just kind of an odd, an odd choice in my opinion. Either way, Chris, Thanks for sending us the story. Anyone else out there that has a has a sad or funny story, I guess it depends, you know, on on where you're sitting, feel free to email it to us at americantoffee at gmail.com. Otherwise, let's get into the Newcastle pre-match. So we've got Newcastle at home on Wednesday. And this is actually for American fans kind of in the middle of the day during work hours, which kind of sucks. It sucks a lot. This is... I love that the fixtures start coming more quickly and we have games to look forward to twice a week, but man, it just sucks to be at work and have to, you almost can't fully watch the match. And I'm hoping that even if I can't catch the full thing live to be able to go back and rewatch it, I'll be able to follow along regardless, but it's just, it's nice to wake up on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning, sit down in front of your TV and just know that you have Everton ready on deck, nothing else to do for the next two hours and just sit down and watch and as this festive period comes along, it's just not something we have the liberty 
to do anymore. So we're gonna have to figure out some creative solutions, but it is a certainly, certainly a good opportunity for us to bounce back after the crushing loss and reassert ourselves and continue our good form because despite the poor result, it was a great performance. And I think every Evertonian feels the same way considering what we've been subjected to in previous derbies to come out like that and, and assert ourselves. So you know that Marco Silva will be all over the team and not let any heads dip. It's onwards and upwards, and you can't look back on the result. You can only look forward and really beat the team that's in front of you, and I think that's the task we have to take care of. It is. There's no, there's nothing but three points on the table that needs to be snatched, essentially. And <clears throat> in terms of you know, moving on from the Liverpool match, that was yesterday. We recorded last night. We're back at it again in less than 24 hours. And that's the beautiful part about the festive period. We see a lot of squad rotation, which we'll get into a little bit more. But we have an opportunity to bounce back mentally and then, you know, also points-wise in the table. So in terms of Newcastle, Newcastle are sitting in 15th place, correct? Yes, sitting in 15th right now. They have a goal difference of negative 8. And they're on 12 points. So they're tied for, they're technically even with Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace has one more, one less of a goal difference. So yeah, 15th, haven't looked great. We know that Newcastle, their owner, Mike Ashley, has consistently refused to invest money into the club. One of the more dedicated fan bases in the Premier League, and they still show up for games and they have a great manager in Rafa Benitez. And it's not, not a game that we can overlook by any stretch. Agreed. So generally speaking, in terms of tactics, Newcastle likes to set up in a flat 4-4-1-1. They'll play Salomon Rondon up front as their target forward. They'll play Iosi Perez as like a false nine behind him. And then what they'll do is they'll try to use their pace on the wings and their quick fullback, shout out DeAndre Yedlin, to overlap. And game plan, generally speaking, tends to be cross the ball into the box aim for winning second balls, and a lot of kind of long shots. They played West Ham on Saturday, so they will get an extra day of rest compared to us. But they had majority possession, passes, better pass accuracy, the exact same shots on target and lost 3-0. Watching the highlights, essentially it just comes down to not being able to take their chances and West Ham being a lot more clinical. Hopefully, we can say the same about Everton this week. I'm expecting a really solid performance. I don't want to get into the squad rotation because, again, we'll get into that. But regardless of who goes out and plays for Everton on Wednesday, it's going to be a strong side. There's a certain amount of squad rotation that Silva can get away with. I don't expect him to experiment too much. I expect us, especially considering we're at home against a weaker side, similar to how we played against Cardiff, and I expect Newcastle will be willing to let us have most of the ball, probably look to strike us on the counterattack and, and do those sorts of things and try to snatch a point. Who knows? They could show up and really try to play on an even level with us, but I don't think that that will end particularly well. If they try to come at us too much, we're going to be far too dangerous on the counterattack. And that's one of our bigger strengths we've seen so far this season, our pace in the counterattack. So I do expect, again, not a game we can overlook, but a game that we should, without question, be winning and winning emphatically, frankly, if we're to, if we are where we think we are as a team, and we expect that we want to compete for the top six, seventh maybe, then you have to beat the teams below you. And Newcastle are firmly below us. 
it'd be nice to get a resounding victory that will help our goal difference, maybe give us a little bit of a cushion over Man United. Rondon is a good striker, and they have uh, John Joe Shelby as well, who's a very good midfielder. Maybe his best days are behind him, but they have players that can hurt us. Again, Rafa Benitez is a good manager, and they'll set up tactically, and I'm sure they'll have chances to score, but one of their weaknesses this season has been finishing. And so with the way our defense has been playing over the last several games now, I'm not particularly particularly worried that they're going to really pose a significant threat around our, our goal. Well said, James. And I love the attitude. I think that we're leaning towards having you give me a, a positive, a winning prediction, post-match prediction, <laughs> or pre-match prediction, excuse me. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. But let's dig right into Everton now. So I believe... Everton versus Liverpool yesterday was maybe the fourth straight match unchanged team sheet, somewhere around four. Yeah. Okay, so do you expect that to be the case on Wednesday against Newcastle, knowing that we have Watford one week from today, next Monday? It's interesting because there is that, let's see, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, So there will be four days on the fifth day we'll play again. You'd think that with being professional footballers that a player could have four days rest and be fine to play. But you have to consider, again, weaker opposition. We've come off, now that you say that, I think it's three games because we had Yeri Mina come in for Kurt Zuma against Chelsea. Oh, good call. But other than that, it's been consistent with minor changes. There hasn't been any kind of massive overhaul. For the better, I think Silva knows that keeping the team consistent, giving these players time to gel together, it's for the best. So I do think the outside backs will remain the same. Seamus Coleman, Luca Dean will play. Jordan Pickford, of course, he'll want to have a real go. At Newcastle, being a former Sunderland player, big rivalry. So I'm sure the away fans from Newcastle will be giving him stick the entire game. And he'll want to perform very on a very high level. Center back, I, I would not be at all surprised to see Kurt Zuma come in. I don't know who he'll come in for, either Michael Keane or Yuri Mina, and not even as a punishment necessarily, or saying one player hasn't been good because every all three of the center backs have been outstanding above all expectations at the beginning of the season. But at this point, you just kind of have to rotate players to keep players fresh because you don't know when the injury bug is going to rear its ugly head. You don't know what's around the corner. And so the more players you can have playing well and gelling together, the more flexibility it gives you. So that's just my take on the bl- the back line. I think you could see Kurt Zuma come in. If anyone, I think it'd be Michael Keane because he hasn't missed a game yet. So he may be due for just a breather. And that's kind of my expectation as far as the back line goes. I think you're pretty spot on. I don't know that he's going to change a whole lot. We could see Kurt Zuma come in for one of the center backs. That's probably the most likely case. Maybe we could see Leighton Baines get a match. It just kind of depends. You also never know which players might be carrying some bruises or could have taken kind of a cynical challenge and instead of having five, six days to kind of recover from it and just be able to play through the pain the next weekend, they only have really two full days. It'll be interesting to see. I'm going to round it out and say you're probably pretty close. So in midfield, I'm going to think that we're going to see Sigurdsson start. The guy can run for days, essentially. I'm going to give a spicy take, and I'm going to say that Ghana and Gomez are both going to be dropped. 
in place of Schneiderlin and Davies? What do you think? You know, you say it's a spicy take, but that's sort of the train of thought that I was going on as well. Considering the type of game that is going to be with a lot of possession, I don't think that you necessarily need what Ghana brings to the table. Of course, with him in the side, I think we're a better team no matter what. But we've seen in the games where we have most of the ball and we have to facilitate it. We saw yesterday against Liverpool, Ghana is not a passer. And we know that it's well-stated fact. But I think that we could do with the Tom Davies to kind of link up with Andre Gomez. If both of them sit, I'd be surprised again. I'm predicting probably three changes total to the side. Probably one each in the midfield, the defense, and up front. And we'll get into the front in a second. I would like to see Tom Davies get another game. He kind of was, he lost his place due to Andre Gomez, who we all know has been a bright beam of beautiful sunshine coming through the clouds (laughs) on a dark, rainy day. Like he is just a revelation in every sense of the word. Everyone needs, everyone is on board. We need to sign him as soon as possible, get his signature, no matter what it takes. But we also have Tom Davies. And I'm worried that with the way that our midfield is, or starting midfield is currently shaping up, that it may be detrimental to his development as a player. And we know that he is one of our best youth prospects, you know, nominated for the golden boy award, all of that. Not sure necessarily how much that means, but he is an important player and we do want him to develop. And if he can't get in the side for a game like this, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him go out on loan in January because I think we need him. Well, we need him for squad depth. If he's not going to be, one of the first choices off the bench, then I think he needs to get consistent game time somewhere else. That's a fair shout. We do have other midfielders. Tom Davies is the only one I just checked. He's the only one that's been making the bench, central midfielders that have been making the bench. We have Schneiderlin, who's rumored to leave indefinitely in January. James McCarthy, same deal. We have Benny Beningami, which I think he's about fit now. I can't confirm, but I think Benny Beningami is about fit. I know he's been playing. I know he's played for the U23s in the last couple of weeks. Yep. So those are a lot of options and six months of playing time for Tom Davies at another club, specifically in the Premier League, one of the struggling sides, think Southampton, for example, that could be more valuable than saying letting Schneiderlin go six months early in January as opposed to in the summer. So that's a good that's a good shout. And I think that that's a possibility for sure. It just depends on how things shape up and specifically how December goes. Because as we know, while it's awesome because we get to see a lot of these fantastic players that have not been seeing time on the pitch. And we're gonna have to, you know, give opportunities, you know, Jenk Tosin, for example, to hopefully find his feet in the Premier League. But it's still a curse because this is when injuries hit, knock on wood. And furthermore, we have a fully healthy squad. So at the moment, I feel really good about December and it's really important because 6th through 10th is extremely tight. And I'm talking, I think, two points. And so what we need to do is we need to go about our business, I think, as two seasons ago when we finished 7th with Ronald Koeman and we were essentially just best of the rest. We need to aim for the same thing, ideally six. Okay, so moving on to the front line. James, you said that you think maximum one change. Are you going to ask for maybe a change at striker? 
get Jenk Tosin, Dominic Calvert-Lewin some starting minutes? Or are you going to go with maybe a more popular choice and ask that Adam Lookman starts? And if so, which side? Well, Alex, as you know, I am a man of the people. And since I do have you know, my finger on the pulse of the Everton fan base, at least on Twitter and on Reddit, <laughs> I think that it's, it's high time that we see Adam Lookman get a start. I've been saying it now for a few weeks. It's just well overdue. You saw it yesterday against Liverpool. Uh, immediately upon coming on, he's looking to make an impact. He's looking to do things that the opposition don't expect, whether that's make a run in behind. He doesn't mind coming short. And then when he has the ball, you still don't know what he's going to do with it because he can fake a pass and all of a sudden he does an in and out little flick and he's by. He's so clever and unpredictable. And I do love what he does for us as a substitute because he can change a game with fresh legs coming on right around the 60th minute like we saw. But we don't know what he can do in a full 90-minute game. And I'm very, very curious to find out because we've heard all these rave reviews We've seen these bits and pieces. I just want to see it all come together. And so I think if anyone has to make way, it has to be Theo Walcott. In the pre-match for Liverpool, I said that Bernard should make way. Now I'm convinced that Walcott could probably do with a spell on the bench at this point. And I think seeing Lookman go on, get a full 90, make an impression, will motivate Walcott all the more to make his way back into the team and fight that much harder for the shirt. That's a good assessment. I think that's fair. Furthermore, Bernard had a fantastic game against Liverpool. I'm actually going to go as far as to say that that was better than his Leicester performance on a consistency basis. So I'm going to agree with your shout for Adam Lookman on the right-hand side. And I'm going to raise you. And I'm going to say that he starts Calvert-Lewin in the middle over Richarlison. We've seen... From afar, what happens with Richarlison when he gets too tired? Now, everyone talks about how hardworking he is, but Calvert-Lewin has been, generally speaking, top two subs off the bench, Lookman in in recent weeks. But otherwise, I think that we're going to see moderate changes. I know you're leaning on the lighter side. I'm going to air on a, a little bit more moderate. Either way, it'll be interesting, and I'm super excited because... I love to see the young players, you know, get time in an Everton shirt. And that's what makes Everton, you know, Everton. I agree. I, I wouldn't hate at all to see Cenk Tosin or Calvert-Lewin get a game. I said yesterday when I was on with Tom that I, I was kind of surprised to see how far Cenk Tosin has fallen down the pecking order. Whether that's a result of his performances on the training pitch, because we haven't seen him on the field during the game for so long, but I still have some faith that a player that he can, as a player, he can still contribute something. Certainly have higher expectations for Calvert Lewin, being that he's so young and has shown so much on an international level in his age group. And after the results of last season and the transfers that we saw, generally, if a player is unable to make it into the to the team, or even if he's in the match day squad, make it onto the field it generally means that the manager doesn't think that they can cut it. And I think that it's starting to look more and more like that's the case with Cenk Tosin, as unfortunate as it may be because he's a great personality. He has a great attitude and and I'm sure he's a great player to have in the locker room. 
But there were concerns when we signed him, and I think those concerns still persist that he's just not the quality of striker that we need to get where we want to go. Is he good enough to play striker for a team that finishes 10th, 11th in the Premier League? I think so for sure. But I don't think that he's that top six quality at all. I could be proven wrong, and I'd be happy to be proven wrong, but based on the evidence that we've seen, I'm more willing to give Calvert-Lewin his opportunity to, because he just has such a higher ceiling because Cenk Tosin has virtually peaked at this point. He's 28 at that age. You're just not going to get that much better. Whereas Calvert Lewin at 20 years old, 21 years old has a lot of room to grow and become a first choice striker for, for us as a top six, top six team. I really think that he can do that. He can do that. I think that's well said spot on with the analysis on Cenk Tosin as sad as it may be. So James, let's get our pre-match predictions in, and then we're going to transition into our FA Cup draw. So what do you think the scoreline is going to be at Goodison Park on Wednesday evening? Yeah, I know that I was I was sad to, to predict the last match. I predicted a loss, and I'm not happy at all that I, was, that I was correct. I got the score wrong. I think that this is a game that we should and will absolutely win in convincing fashion. I'm predicting a 3-0 win a clean sheet, back to our winning ways, solid defensively, I think we'll command the game and it won't ever really, Newcastle will never really threaten to take the game from us. I like it. I think it's a, a positive outlook, definitely within the realm of possibility. I'm going to be slightly less optimistic just because with new players coming in, even if it's only two or three, it changes a lot of dynamics. Our finishing hasn't been amazingly precise in recent recent weeks. So I'm going to go with 2-0 victory. The three points is the three points. And no matter what, we'll always be happy with that result. And as long as we see, again, trends that we've seen thus far continue. We now are faced with the FA Cup, which now that we're out of the Carabao Cup is our best chance of silverware this season. So the hope would be and the hope was earlier today that we would get a favorable draw in the third round and sort of be able to kick on from there. I do expect that Silva will be taking this you know, trophy very seriously, this competition. And we drew Lincoln City FC. So they do play in the fourth tier, League Two. The highest ever position they've had is fifth in the second division, and that was in 1901. They have never been higher than the third tier since 1960. And so we're looking at a club miles behind us as far as quality. They play in a 10,000-seat stadium. We absolutely need to win this, and I don't think we could have asked for a much more favorable draw. Alex, your thoughts? Agreed. I'm really excited about it. It's better than drawing Liverpool away like last season. Agreed as, as far as how serious he'll take it. And we need him to because... We can pick up a favorable amount of points over December, the Christmas period, the festive period, and we can we can kind of get a pretty safe, comfortable position in the league table. This match is going to happen on the weekend of January 5th slash 6th, so it gives us plenty of time to prepare for it mentally. I don't really want to see us make wholesale changes from, for example, our starting squad that we just started yesterday for that match because you can bring on your, your Everton bench and start essentially a youth 11 with some vets thrown in who haven't gotten much game time, but that's that's just too Everton-like. It's, it's way too predictable. 
in terms of how that outcome is going to look and, and who the upset is going to be that weekend. So it's a really important task ahead. And I don't think that they can be underestimated either. No, certainly not. And I think as we've looked at this season, the only real criticism that anyone could have of Marco Silva was that Carabao Cup tying in Southampton in which he did make the wholesale changes and it did backfire and we ended up going out. I do expect now that we're facing the FA Cup as our only chance at silverware, favorable draw, great chance to develop momentum. And to be honest, if we finished seventh or eighth and ended with a really good FA Cup run, I think that that would have to go down as a successful first season. Thanks so much for tuning into the American Toffee Podcast. It is available on all major platforms. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. That would help us out a ton. And follow us on Twitter as well, at USA Toffee Pod. Until next time, come on, you blues.